All right, well, get your Bibles out. And if you would, go to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew 16. I'm going to be following up on the message I preached last week. Um, how many of y'all are kind of like glad the holidays are over so we can just get back into routine? No? Give me your hand if you're one of those people. Okay. How many of y'all like chaos of holidays, huh? Raise your hands, yeah. You know, the crazy thing is, is that I get all, I get all like discombobulated, you know. I, can't, I, I don't know what day it is. And, and then this year was really strange because we had Christmas on Sunday and New Year's on Sunday. And I don't know what day it is, and I can't figure out what's going on. And I, I, it just drives me nuts. And so I got all ready, got all fired up Monday morning, you know. I said, let's go, man, go back to work. And it's, it's still a holiday, you know, so it's like, all right, all right, one more day, you know, and here we go. So anyway, I'm kind of glad to kind of get back in the groove of everything. But, um, and so I started preaching this message about, calling, about to press in. Everybody say press in. Then in 2023, I just believe it's a year that we have to press in. Now, this is no, this is no earth-shattering message. I mean, if you've got any sense at all, you should know that what I'm preaching, you should just be saying, yeah, it's right, I already knew that. But, you know, and just taking some more information because the, the world's crazy. Everything's gone haywire. And, and, and so if you're as a Christian, you know, and I had to make sure and really watch my words this morning. As a Christian, you know, it's like a football game, all right? And, and you, there's two things going on during a football game. There's offense playing, and then there's defense playing, right? Football game. Don't take my words and get them all messed up here. I'm not saying be offended. I'm saying, I'm saying you, you're either playing offense or you're playing defense. Defense, the object is don't let the enemy score. Right? And offense, you're trying to score on the enemy. I know it's a football game I'm talking about, but I'm talking about real life here as a Christian. So as a Christian, if you're always playing defense, you're just trying to keep the enemy score. Your only relationship with God is, is, is the times when you're in trouble. This is what I'm talking about. Too many Christians are living their life not, with, not, not, not on the offense with going out and trying to score and, and win souls and, and, and better themselves and enlarge themselves and grow in their knowledge of the Word and grow in their knowledge of prayer and grow in the knowledge of the things of God. They're just playing defense. They're just sitting back, got enough knowledge on the inside of them, think everything's okay, but I'm telling you, you can't live like that anymore. Look at the person beside you and say, boy, he's preaching good this morning. You can't do it. I'm telling you, there's too many crazy things happening, too much going on, too much stuff taking place. Well, in Matthew 16, 1, Jesus said to the, to the Pharisees and said to Jesus, man, look, you go outside. I'm paraphrasing it. He said, you go outside and you look at the sky and you say, this is what the day is going to be like. And in the morning, you go look at it and say, well, this is what it's going to be like. But I'm telling you, you don't even understand the signs of the times you're in. Now, think about this, church. Think about this. Here was Jesus, the Son of God, about to go to Calvary and die for all of our sins, right? He's about to come through the deal, beaten, whipped, going to Golgotha to be crucified. But I guarantee you there was somebody that day was baking bread or, 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 or the, 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 the some dispute going on in the household between the husband and the wife. Somebody, probably right on the street of the Via Della Rosa, was going about their day while the Son of God was going to the cross to die for all the sins of the world, and they never even took account of it. 
Somebody said, what's going on? I said, ah, they're just going to go crucify another Jew. That's all that's going on. I, I don't know. You, where's my supper? Are y'all following me? It's easy in a time. It's easy in, 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 in this world and in the times that we're in to get so wrapped up in what's going on that you forget Christ in the middle of you. It's so easy to get caught up that you share more videos with one another about something going on than you do Jesus with somebody about what's going on. Oh, look at the person beside you and say, that was good. That was a zinger. That got me. I watched, read an article or actually watched a video on it yesterday about a, a new artificial intelligence that's out there that is available to everyone. And, uh, and it was developed off of listening to us talk. And I thought to myself, <laughs> where did they get that? There's things going on in the world, folks, we ain't got no idea about. There's things going on in this world that, that, that the enemy is trying to, to muster up, and we have no earthly idea about what's going on. We don't even understand it. We've never even thought in the diabolical ways that people are thinking. Hello? Because we're good old country book folks. Man, we're just out there trying to make a living. We're just out there trying to raise our family. We're just out there trying to teach our kid how to bat a ball, dribble a basketball, shoot a rifle, how to sharpen a knife, how to skin a deer. Those important things in life. <laughs> Hello? And see, we're thinking about these things. Why? While the devil, you got to understand this, the devil is out there. And he's trying, he's whipping it up, man. He's, man, he is running. He's, man, he, woo, he's just whipping it up. He thinks he's doing good. But the whole time, it's all falling into the signs of the times. And I'm telling you, he doesn't win. I'm telling you, I've already read the end of the book. Already know how it's going to turn out. I've already seen it. It's already here. It's not like this is a special it is a special book, but it's not like mine's more holy than anyone that they even sell at Walmart. You can go get it at Walmart and read the end of the story, and it says, God wins. Hello? But people say, well, I don't believe that. You're going to be wrong. And Christians for too long have sat back and just kind of lived their lives and let things go, and they've not been in the scoring position, the offensive position to score and to win, to win victories for their children, to win victories for their grandchildren, to win victories for their, 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 their own family, to overcome, here we go, overcome problems and situations in your own marriage so you can tell somebody else how not to fall in the same pit you got into. Hello? Look at the person beside you and say, man, he must be talking about you. He's got to be talking about you. 
Y'all say, why does he do things like that? Why does the pastor say things like that? Because I'm trying to get you to quit looking at me because y'all just looking at me like a cow going through a new gate. And I don't know what's going on. So I'm trying to get the attention off of me for a minute so I can take a little, <sighs> okay, Lord, they're not staring at me. Come on, I'm just preaching good this morning. I'm just telling us the truth. I'm telling us what you need information. You say, well, pastor, I'm doing the best job I can. Well, then that's great. That's glorious. But then you need to be telling somebody else about it and help them do the same thing. I mean, this message this morning is for you as a Christian. And if you haven't, if you've just been playing defense, it's trying to tell you to get on offense. If you have been playing offense, well, then I'm trying to give you some tools to sharpen your, yourself to help others. Amen. So the signs of the times, I don't know if Jesus is coming back right now, but I just know that every day we're a day closer. And I know that when you go read the Bible, it's so unbelievable of the amount of prophecies that take place that are just happening before you, okay? And, and I look at the Old Testament, and I just get amazed at when you, when you see, like, for instance, when, when Israel was... T- was, was taken captive by Babylon and taken into captivity. There was one prophet jumped up and down, and he says, uh, first that same prophet jumped up and down and says, they'll never take us. God is on our side. And Jeremiah says, no. The word of the Lord is um, you're going to be taken captive. Boy, they throw him in prison. They don't want to listen to that. So then they get taken over. Then the same prophet jumps up and says, don't worry, guys. It's only going to be two years. You'll be back. And then Jeremiah says, "Mm, no, it's going to be 70. Now, then you take it years later, 70 years later, there's a man named Ezra. And all Ezra had to do, listen to me, all he had to do was go look in Isaiah 45 and find out that God had prophesied there's going to be a king called Cyrus. And then all he had to do was go over there and look in Jeremiah 29, 28, 27, read through those. Of course, he didn't have a Bible exactly like ours, but they had scrolls. And he could go look over there that Isaiah said it was going to be 70 years they were gone. All he had to say, now what time did we leave? Huh, and what time is it here? Who's the king now, Cyrus? Hey, boys, we're about to go home. That's all he had to do. You see, it fit because God had already predicted it, prophesied it. It was already there. All I'm telling you is right now the signs of the times are after after Jesus came, hear me, after Jesus came on this earth and we entered into this great age of grace that we're in right now, that there was going to come a time, there was going to come a period that the age of grace was going to stop. And we were going to go into a different age. And all I'm doing is jumping up and down and saying, you know, guys, things right now are starting to line up and not because things in the world are so bad. Hear what I'm saying to you. Not because things in the world are so bad. Not because there's a war in the Ukraine. Not because it looks like there could be a third world war. Not, not because of that. But because of the lawlessness and the lack of, of godliness that's taking place right here in our own country, America. Because you got to understand something. Throughout the ages, God created America to be this place that 
would be a, 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 the, the light, the shining light going out and spreading the gospel and going forth and declaring that, that God was real and Jesus was the answer and we've been sent out missionaries and funds and stuff and all over the world and just millions, billions and billions of dollars have been spent to promote it. But all of a sudden now the place that's being attacked in a spiritual sense is America. And once the light starts to dim, folks, you don't know what darkness looks like until then. Right now you think it's dark. It ain't dark until we're out of here. Ooh. Okay? But I see these things happening. So all I'm doing is sitting down there saying, ha, looks like some stormy weather coming. That's all I'm doing. I'm not saying Jesus is going to be back tomorrow. Get ready. I'm not prophesying times and dates or anything like that. I'm just saying, look at the signs of the times, right? Now, even if Jesus wasn't going to come back until my life was ended, my message is still good for today. Hello? Because as a Christian, we should always be in the offensive, and our goal is to win as many souls as we can, to tell as many people about Jesus and what he's done for us. It's for you to declare your testimony to this world. That's what our job is. That's what our job is. It's for you to tell your testimony what Jesus has done for you. You say, well, I don't think he's ever done anything for me. Well, then I ask you this question. Have you really ever met him? I mean, man, Jesus changed my life. Jesus came in, and when he came into my life, my whole everything changed. My whole world was shaken. My everything changed. I gave up everything that I had ever dreamed and wanted to do to go chase after him. I was like the Peter and the, the other fishermen on the side. I said, man, well, forget that boat. Forget fishing. This guy's got the answer. That's the way it should have been with you. He said, no, I've always been good. No, you're not. So we, I showed you last week some different examples. The woman who fought through the crowd to get to the hem of Jesus' garment. Uh, uh, people that, have, that, 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 that pressed in to obtain the things of God. Folks, listen to me. You're, it's like anything. It's like anything. None of you are just going to wake up one morning and just become the exercise king. You just woke up one morning and now the anointing's on you. Woohoo! And then you just go exercise. You have to develop it. You've got to develop your relationship with Jesus. I once had a man tell me, he said, well, God wants me saved, he'll save me. And I said, no. I said, you're an idiot. I told him that straight up. I said, you're an idiot. If you think you can just stand there and God will just like going to fall, drop some anointing on you, just, the, just some old holy oil out of heaven going to fall and hit you on the head and get you saved. I said, you're stupid. It's your own heart. It's your own confession of your mouth. You better start, you better start seeking God while he may be found. Well, I don't know about that. And I'm like, you're you're deceived, and you're an idiot. You're a fool. And I showed you then how lack of faith is what stops the power of God from moving. Jesus went in his own hometown, couldn't do any miracles there except just a few things because uh, there, nobody was believing. They're all sitting around saying, isn't that that old, that's old Joseph's kid over there, isn't it? What in the world? You know, there always was something suspicious about Mary and <laughs> that whole thing. I don't know. And so they didn't see any miracles moving. They didn't see anything taking place because everybody had that attitude. Because they kept looking at Jesus and his humanity, not in who he was as the Son of God. Okay. So then I, I, I'm gonna, I want you to turn here. Go to 1 Peter 5, 6. 1 Peter 5, 6. 
And I, I wanted to show you just simply, just simply the goal you should be shooting for, okay? 1 Peter 5, 6, and I mentioned this last week, but it bears looking at again. He says, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your cares upon him, for he cares for you. The place we need to be, church, is a church that it, 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 you, you, when you're burdened or there's a care on your life, you know and have a relationship with Jesus well enough that you can cast your cares upon him and then there's no longer a care for you. Not a Christian who casts his cares upon Jesus and keeps worrying about it until he, you know, that he's not going to get it done the way you think it should be. I mean, we're really talking about, okay, Lord, I just thank you right now. In Jesus' name, you just, you just help me through this situation in life. And, Lord, I thank you for it. Uh, okay. You said, well, Pastor, it doesn't work like that. I mean, you've got to have, you got to be, well, go to 1 John 5, 14. It says, now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us, and he, he knows that if, he, if we, he hears us, what we ask, we will have the petitions that we've asked from him. So wait a minute, where's your confidence? You prayed and you turned it over and cast it to the feet of Jesus, and then our goal should be then that then he's got the care and you've got the answer. So it should be. Not pray and worry. It's pray and trust. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. and all your ways acknowledge Him. He'll what? Well, then direct your paths, right? But that word trust in the Lord means literally living careless, carefree, no weight upon you. Well, I can get that away as soon as it, it's gone. But then that's not faith. Uh-oh. What we want is fast food Christianity. Right? We want to roll up to the window of heaven and say, Lord, I need a, uh, one of these, one of those, one of this. And then you get it. But as I've told you all before, how many of you, come on now, will admit that you've pulled up into a fast food restaurant to get something and got irritated because it wasn't fast enough? Hello? You go over there and all of a sudden now they got two lines waiting for food. And you're like, what's this? I'm having to wait for my fast food. But it doesn't even reason. It doesn't even make sense. Folks, if you thought about that, if you were if it was like, okay, give me a hamburger, fries, and a Coke, and they just chew, chew, handed it to you, where was that thing sitting? And then you get it and say, well, this thing's not fresh. Well, how could you, you see, we're not being reasonable. Do you hear what I'm saying? We're not being reasonable. We want it fresh and instant and hot, right? But how can that be? Those things don't all work. We're doing that with God, too. By the time the prayer enters, leaves our lips, we want to open our eyes, and there's our answer. You know I'm right. And then as soon as it isn't there, I mean, you're watching your clock. Waiting. And then if it's not on the time that you think it is, and you're just looking at it and saying, Lord, what are you doing? 
Weren't you? I mean, do you see where I'm at? Do you see what I'm going through? Do you see what they are doing? Hello? I'm just preaching good. And then we forget all about that God may have a bigger plan than we got. We all forget about that God wants to deliver us, doesn't want to deliver us from tribulation, He wants to deliver us through tribulation. That's why we're called overcomers. How can you be an overcomer if you've never overcome anything? It's not to get to heaven and say, ah, man, it was great. I was so blessed. Never had anything happen to me. Oh, okay, you go over there in that corner. You have to understand something. What the glory is, is due to have a testimony that you overcame something. Overcame grief, overcame Jealousy overcame uh, lust, overcame, um, you know, depression, overcame whatever. And to say you overcame that and then that becomes your testimony that you have to say to somebody else. And the moment you tell somebody else, a big smile comes on Jesus's face. But we don't want it like that. What we want as Christians is to go to church, get under the anointing. Everything's perfect. We walk out the door. We stay in everything perfect. We live in a bubble, a dome, a dome of the glory. We live in the dome of the glory where everything goes right. Where there's not this evil, wicked wiles of Beelzebub out there. Messing around, messing things up. Hello? Because God always makes a way where there seems to be no way. And then you're like, wow, how'd you pull that off? How did you pull that off? Okay, so go to Matthew 7, 21. Matthew 7, 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to you, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice, what is this word? This is, a, this is a shocking scripture out of the mouth of Jesus. When you read it, you say, whoa, 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 wait, wait. They're casting out devils. They're, they're, they're doing wonders. They're prophesying. They're doing all these things. And he said, yeah, but it wasn't my will. They, weren't, they were building their kingdom. The look at me kingdom. Look at me. Look what I did. Look at me, look at me, look at me. They never knew what the will of God was. <clears throat> I've told you all this. One of the most impressive men I've ever met on this earth was a little man named Megalito. And he was in Mexico. When I met him, he's already right at the 
end of his life. He was a little short guy, uh, had a little pot belly, had a hat on that the sweat had worked all the way up to the top of the brim, or the top of the crown, and uh, was sitting on a dirt floor eating a bowl of beans. And I went into this little house and met him, and I was just like, who is this guy? And shook his hand and was nice and cordial to him. And then they began to sit there and tell me the stories. And he gave up his whole life, walked away. And in his lifetime, he had started 80 churches. And I was dumbfounded. The man had nothing but the clothes on his back. And I was like, how did he start 80 churches? We just went into a town and would start walking down the streets telling people about Jesus. And as soon as he gathered a few people together well then they started meeting every Sunday and then he got them going and then he found somebody in there that could be the pastor and then he did that and then he got once they got them going then he went to the next town and he just did the same thing and he just kept doing it just living off beans and rice any offering he could get whatever he had I mean the man literally had nothing except his sweat he had and I thought to myself when that man goes to heaven when he steps over into the real reality, the glory of heaven, everybody's going to be shocked as they go up there and there's little Megalito sitting with the apostles. Eighty churches. And he rode the bus everywhere. He didn't know how to drive. But he got saved one day. He met Jesus on a road. Jesus touched his heart. He got saved. And it so transformed him. That's what he did for the rest of his life. Now, that man did the will of God. And all I'm saying to you is just the, the, even in the world, you say, well, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm doing what I'm, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not a heathen. I'm not, you know, doing this. But wait a minute. You better watch out. Are you still following the will of God? Are you doing what, or you have a relationship with Jesus so deep enough, you know what he's telling you to do, and that's what you're doing. Now, here we go. Ephesians 2.1. Let me show you God's way. Ephesians 2.1. <clears throat> And you he made alive who were dead in your trespasses and sins. Folks, you got to understand something. Unless Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior of your life, unless you have been able to do something with this sin problem, you say, hey, don't call me a sinner. No, listen, the Bible says we're all sinners, that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God, that no man can stand before God and say, I didn't do it. We're all guilty. And we got to do something with that guilt on our life. We got to do something with the guilt of sin upon our life. And there's only one that can make you alive, and that's Jesus. And he says, And you who were made alive, who were dead in your trespasses and sin, in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we were all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. For by grace, you have been saved and raised up together and made to sit together 
in heavenly places. That moment you were without God in the world, without any way to deal with the problem of your sin, all of a sudden you called out and said, Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God and you paid the price for my sins. I want you to wash my sins away. Boom, at that second you were dead and you became alive to God and the things of God. That means that you have the ability right now as a Christian, if you're born again, you know it. You have the ability to know what's God and what's not. You're following me. You have the ability on the inside of you to, to something inside of you is bearing witness with what's right and what's not. How many of y'all ever been up to North Texas be going through one of those towns like Weatherford or one of those with all the feedlots around? <clears throat> you're driving through the middle of town and all of a sudden you're like, ooh, what is that? Huh? Y'all experienced that? Give me, a, give me a show of hands here. You experienced it. Yeah, y'all know what I'm talking about. You're just driving along. You're like, wow, Lord. Something's not right. Don't smell right. Right? Okay. But it's the same way as a Christian. You're going along in life and you're like, whoa, that is God. Or you're like, that ain't God. But before, before Jesus, you didn't have the ability to do that. Before Jesus, you were just like, hey, this is the way everybody does it in the world. Let's go do it. But now the world's turning and trying to get us to accept things and trying to take us down a road that's not right. And we say it's not right. But it keeps going because that's the course of the world. And it should be a stench in your nose. And you should be going, oh, that ain't right. That's not right at all, right? Because why? Jesus is in you. He's made you alive. Now let's read on. It says, and he made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, now listen to this, look at this, look at this, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding Riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ. Do you hear? Let me read those words again. He might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. How, how, how big is God's kindness? See, when I, it's, just, it's not the same word, but a lot of times when I think of kindness, I think of generosity, right? And generosity, you know, somebody could give you $10, and that was a, meant a lot to them because that, they didn't have a lot of money. And another person could give you $1,000, and it may not mean a lot to them because they have more money. So you, if you did that on the same kind of a scale as kindness, what do you think God's kindness looks like? Just think about this for a minute. He says that when you got saved, when you made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, that God wanted to show you his exceeding 
riches of his grace and kindness towards you, what would that look like? That's the question I got for you this morning. Because, see, the devil wants to turn things around and get you convinced that God doesn't even love you, doesn't even care about you. He's not going to answer your prayers. Get you in this thinking that, you know, oh, you know, I've just been abused and this happened and that happened and whatever. When, when my goodness, if you would look at the almighty God's kindness that's coming towards you, it's not anger towards you. It's not wrath towards you. You're saved. I mean, when you wake up in the morning, if you, if you know inside of you, you know that you know that you're saved. Not because I gave you a letter or baptized you or poured some water on you or marked you with oil. But because you know it down the inside of you, you wake up and your eyes open in the morning. The minute they open up, you should be thanking God for his kindness towards you that day. And if all he has for me is kindness, then what in the world am I worried about? What in the world has got my telling or not? If I can get upset on my God, I just thank you for your, your grace and your kindness towards me today. How could something go wrong? He said, well, it did. My truck wouldn't start. That's, that's nothing. That's part of the tribulation of us living in a fallen world. Okay, so it's something bigger. Okay, but you've got to keep your confession. You've got to keep your mouth going. You've got to keep your focus on what is real, and what is real is God's kindness and his grace is stretched out to you. It's, it's, it's exceeding. How, how much is exceeding? When you're talking about a God who makes a world, how much is exceeding? You hear what I'm saying, church? Y'all are quiet. You're too quiet. What would blow you away in life? Somebody walks up to you and gets you $100. Oh, man, that would be amazing. Okay, well, they give you $500,000. $5,000. Where's your limit? $10,000. You're like, oh, thank you, man. Appreciate it. 20, 25, 50, 100,000, 100,000. You say, oh, my God, I remember anybody that generous in my life. He gave me $100,000. I bet he could afford it more. See what I'm saying? How do, where's, your, where's, the, where's your blow away mark? Million dollars. Somebody walks up and gives you a million dollars. I just want to write this check. I wrote as many zeros on it as I could get on there as a million dollars. Would you just be... A million? Yeah, a million wouldn't do it for you, huh? You got to go to two, to three. You know, it used to be years ago, a lot of years ago, if you had a million dollars in the bank drawing interest on it, you, you could live out the rest of your life because you had enough money there to do it. 
Now today they say it's got to be five million. Okay, so if you want to live out the rest of your life, you got to have five million in the bank. So it's five million. What do you think? Is that generous? Somebody gives you five million, write you a check, give you five million dollars? No, ten. I mean, where are you? Follow what I'm saying. Just question yourself. Ask yourself that question. What would be something that would blow you away? Well, whatever that number is, whatever that number is, then compare it to Almighty God and try to put that in the same category. That's what's stretched out towards you. But yet we let the devil talk us into God doesn't even love us. We let the devil come out there because he's playing offense. And he's trying to score on you. And he's trying to get you to look at this and look at that. And that didn't happen and this didn't happen. He's trying to get you to not look at who's on your side. I mean, it'd be like playing a, this is a really crazy example. But it'd be like saying that, that the, 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 the team, you're playing the devil, and he's got a whole lot of good players. But you got an elephant on your team. I'm talking a literal elephant. I mean a real elephant with a little deal on the back of him and a little hat. And all you got to do is hike the ball, take it back there, and stick it in the elephant's mouth, and tell him to go down there to the ends, a bag of peanuts down there. And they're just in their pads, and they're trying to tackle him. And the elephant just walks all the way down there, eats his peanuts, and you make a touchdown. It's even bigger than that. I'm just trying to show you some, some, I'm I'm trying to put it to where, see, we try to make God a human. Well, how's he ever going to do that? He's God. And so the devil comes in and he he works on us so that we don't put any faith in him. And he begins to steal from us and he gives us take for us when the whole time he's got this exceeding kindness coming towards us. So what you should say, if you're going to go have a pity party and say, well, nobody loves me but God, that would at least be a semi-correct statement. Because God does love you and nothing can stop it. Yeah, y'all don't seem to be too excited about that. I'm just going to go on. Now, if that's not enough, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter 2 verse 6. He says, for however we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew. For had they known, they would have not crucified the Lord of glory. Okay, so stop right there for a second. So, I mean, he, the Apostle Paul is just making the point that if the devil knew what was really going on, they thought they were going to kill Jesus, get rid of him, but they didn't realize he was coming back. Resurrection Sunday was coming, right? So he said if they'd have known all that, they wouldn't have done it. 
but they did, and so here we are. And so this is what he says. But as is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Stop right there. Look at this. I has not seen, nor ears heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for us, for those who love him. So that means God has things prepared for you, but they've not entered into your heart. You've not believed it. Listen to what I'm saying. God has things prepared for each and every one of you as his children. And the only reason why you're not walking in everything he's prepared for you is it's not entered into your heart. Okay, so not only does he have great kindness stretched out towards you, not only does he have great grace stretched out towards you, not only is there abundant love just stretched out towards you, trying to point to you, but God has thanks for you. He's got things for you. But you hadn't received them yet because it's not in your heart. So what's in your heart? Worry? Doubt? I mean, the Old Testament's full of verse after verse after verse saying, well, the heart of man's only evil. And you got saved, that saved your spirit, but you still got to deal with your heart. So the only reason why you're not walking in the things of God is because you're not believing the things of God and it's in your heart. God hadn't held anything back from you. Hear what I'm saying this morning, church. You should be rejoicing right now that God Almighty is not holding anything back from you. All of His kindness is towards you. All of His love is towards you. All of His grace is towards you. Everything, even things that you can't even imagine, that it's not even seen with your eyes, is there for you. Things He wants to give you, and nothing is stopping it except you. And it's doing it because, you know, you are worrying. Or you're angry. Or you're in unforgiveness. Or you're in jealousy. Or you're in envy. Or, you know, you hate yourself. It's great preaching. But it's all these little things that the enemy is coming and doing to you that's keeping you from walking all things. God, you got to understand there's like, it's like, oh, I mean, I can't even, I can't find words to describe it to you. I can't find words to say it to you. I can't get you to understand enough that it's more than anything you could imagine on this earth just given to you. You know, it always happens exactly the same when you, 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 well, I guess not always, but a lot of times when people win the lotto and they all of a sudden they get $100 million 
and then they go nutso, and then they go out. And the first thing they do is buy all kinds of things to try to make them feel good, right? So that they, they were in poverty, let's say, or they were not, not even have to be in poverty, just in lower income or whatever, and they just go out and they just buy everything. They buy the new truck, they buy the, all the clothes, they buy all the stuff, trying to make themselves feel good, important. But when that's all done, you can only get so much things. And then you got to have a bigger house to put the things in. How many of y'all know that? Right? When my wife and I started out in life, we didn't have anything, so we didn't have to worry about much things. We could live in a little box, man. It didn't have anything. Then after the years go by, you start collecting more stuff. You get a few more pieces of furniture. Then you get a few more of this, and then it's also never got too much. And Hello? Okay, but you start getting those things, and it starts making you feel good, but then all of a sudden it ends up, and then you're like, wait a minute, this didn't satisfy me. Right? And then you start looking for something else to satisfy you and fulfill you. When there's nothing that's going to fulfill you but your relationship with God. Well, it's bigger than that. That's what I'm trying to tell you. If you won the lotto today, what God's kindness is, what is there, and what his eyes, what he wants to give you that your eyes haven't even seen, it's bigger than winning the lotto. It's bigger than won the 1.2 billion last lotto, or I don't know how it was the last one, but that one big lotto that went off 1.2 billion. It's bigger than that. Would, you, would it have changed your life? May not have changed you, but would it have changed your life if you'd have, if you'd have won 1.2 billion? One day you have whatever you're making a year, and the next time you have a, a billion dollars in the bank. Would it have changed your life? Would you have gone and bought a new truck? You would have had to enlarge the gun room. Come on. Ain't no sense lying about it. Ain't no sense lying about it. You know you would have. You know you would have. You'd have gone from buying boots at the store to handmade. Y'all all look at me like, yeah. Oh, come on, you coffee lovers. You coffee lovers that have got you one of those big, giant espresso machines, had it built in your house, called the plumbers, hooked it up right then, been doing all kinds of stuff with that, you know you would have. Don't sit here and say, no, Pastor, I would just keep reading the Word and loving Jesus. Yes, I would have more time to pray for others. And You're lying. You're lying. You'd have a chef in your house baking your pastries every morning. Okay, so all I'm saying to you is it's bigger than that. You can't imagine this. Listen to me. It blows me my mind away when you stop and try to think about it. It's bigger than that. God's exceeding, not God's, not my kindness. God's exceeding kindness. So what does that look like? Exceeding kindness. All right? I'm running out of time, but I got to tell you. Go to John 16, 5. I want to show you what his exceeding kindness is. John 16, 5, Jesus speaking. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. 
Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And he has, and, and when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judge. I still have many things to say to you. But you cannot bear them. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. He will tell you of things to come. He will glorify me, for he'll take as what is mine, and he will declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I say unto you that he will take of mine and declare it to you. When God was wanting to give you and show you what his kindness was, what his kindness is, he said, I'm going to do it for you. And this is, my, this is what I'm showing you, how you're going to learn my kindness. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit down to you. He said, what? I don't understand. What did he say? The Holy Spirit, he's going to tell you everything he hears. He's going to glorify God. He's going to speak what, uh, of his own authority. He's going to teach you. He's going to guide you. Okay, so let me go back. In the, in, go back to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and look down at verse 10. He just got through in verse 9 saying, I hasn't seen or ears heard and has entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them, but he does reveal them to us, those that he loves. Then he says, but God, verse 10, has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, just the deep things of God. The Holy Spirit's the one that came down to the face of this earth to reveal everything that God has done for you. To show you what it is is exceeding kind of it's like I said, I'm trying to put English words to it, and I can't, but the only one that can is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can speak to you, talk to you, guide you, lead you into the things of God. But if you don't understand or know the Holy Spirit, then how could you enter into the things that God has prepared for you? How could you be a church that denies the Holy Spirit? I remember growing up in, a, in, the, in the church that I did, and they were always saying, you know, they would do something and say, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We said it at the end of every uh, Sunday. And I remember always thinking, kind of know who the Father is, kind of know who the Son is. Who's this Holy Spirit? So I asked somebody one time. I said, well, I don't even, I don't know, don't even talk about that. Like, shh. It's like the, you know, yeah, like the, the scary uncle you got over on the side, just don't talk to him. Don't look his way. Maybe they won't make eye contact. Have y'all ever thought about that? Why is it as we as humans think, like if we see something weird, a person weird, a weird person, that if you just don't look or make eye contact with them, you'll be okay? Do y'all know what I'm talking about? Just don't look. I was trained by my mother that don't look. Because as a kid, you're always curious about that. What's going on there? Stop, turn, don't look. So we think that we can just not look in life. And look, everything's going to be okay. Just don't look. All right, just keep smiling. It's all right. Just don't look. 
And that's the way people are acting about the Holy Spirit. That's the way churches are acting about the Holy Spirit. Just don't look in that direction. If you do, something might happen to you. Jump on you. But what he says here, what's going, the, the catalyst that is going to reveal and get you to understand God's kindness and his love and his grace and his mercy and all the things that you can't see that he has prepared for you, all of that, that's the job of the Holy Spirit to do for you in life. So I don't know about y'all, but I want to know this Holy Spirit. I want to know the Holy Ghost. I want to understand my relationship with him. I want to understand what is it all about. I want to understand how he's going to speak to me, how he's going to reveal to me, how he's going to lead me. Because if that's what the scriptures are showing me is what God has got for me and how I can play offense instead of defense and score and have the Holy Ghost tap me on the shoulder and say, oh, now just run this end sweep right here and you got it. Then, folks, I want to know him. So for the next few Sundays, I'm going to be preaching more on the Holy Spirit. I want to be preaching more about trying to get us to have an understanding of what's going on and to open up our hearts because he says it hasn't been placed in our hearts. So what I've got to do is I've got to preach it till it gets in your heart. So the quicker it gets in your heart, the quicker we can go home. That's the way it works. Amen? But for today, put your Bibles up. Stand to your feet. Look at the person beside you and say, that was really good. Hey, can I have all the people that are on my prayer team, the prayer team down here today, can y'all come up? Listen to me. I got to speak to y'all that are out there watching. If you're out there, no matter where you are, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, folks, this is not the time to be messing around. Today is a day in which you better see the signs of the time, and you better choose your sides. And I want to tell you, God wins. But he made a way. He gave us Jesus. Jesus went to the cross for you. Jesus died for you. Jesus paid the price for your sin. But you have to accept him and bring him into your life. You have to ask him to come into your life and wash you in his blood and declare he is the son of God. The moment you do that, well, then you go from death to life, man. The spirit of God's on the inside of you. And, man, it is good. And you can do it right wherever you are. You don't have to be here at church. You don't have to come to the altar for that to happen. You can right there wherever you are, driving down the road in your car, wherever you may be, and just say, Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. I want to live in heaven with you. And right there, he'll touch you. If you're in this building here today, though, that's why we have prayer team people up here. If you're troubled, if you just need prayer about anything, you don't have to come pray with somebody. Just, I mean, this is not just for salvation, but if you need prayer about anything, that's why the prayer team's here. But if you're in here today, listen to me, church, I'm telling you, you're not going to be able to go to heaven and turn around and say, well, he didn't tell me. I'm telling you that if you're in here today and you're not right with Jesus, you, you don't know that if you died, you'd go to heaven. You hope you will, but you're not sure 
And, you, and if you walk out that door, you're foolish. It's that simple. I'm just telling it like it is because, man, we're in too short of times. Folks, too many bad things are happening, and I don't, I don't got time to mess around. I'm sorry. I'm, just, I'm shooting straight. I love you. I want you to go to heaven with me. But if you're in here and you're not sure, you're not sure that if you died, you'd go to heaven. Do not leave this building until you come up and pray with one of these people. And just say, pray with me. I want to be right. And let God touch you. Don't, get, don't let pride hold you back. This is not a day to say, well, pride won. Because you're going to lose. So that's why they're here, to pray with you, to ask Jesus into your heart, or to pray with you about anything else. Now, what I want to do is I'm going to bless you. I want to encourage you, get on the offensive, not on the defensive. Start asking all this week. Start studying. Maybe even take your own Bible and do a Bible study. Look up scriptures on the Holy Spirit. Start doing some, asking some questions. Start going through there, and every time you see Spirit capitalized, write it down. Put the, start your Bible study, because I'm going to start on this next week. And we're going to go through it, and it's got to get in your heart. And the moment it gets in your heart, you're going to, it's going to be like a giant spotlight turned on. You're going to say, oh, my goodness, look what God has got for me. Amen? Let me pray for you and bless you. Father, I just declare right now over every person in here, Lord, that they today even have, have word dropped into their heart. That, Lord, they're going to be hungry for the things of God. That they're going to go on the offensive scoring, Lord, against the enemy in their life. Not just playing defense and, and trying to dodge the bullets. But, Lord God, they're going to go forth and they're going to be victorious in life. I thank you, Lord, for, for giving them the ability to speak to other people, their friends, that everywhere they sit down, Lord, in the coffee shop or, or, or just whatever's going on, that they just have an ability to talk to their friends and that, Lord, your grace and your mercy just flows over them. Lord, I ask you to bless them today. Bless everything their hands touch. Bless them and let them, as we go out and let them be lights in the midst of the darkness of this world. And, Lord, I give you praise for them and thank you for bringing us back together again and so we can learn about the Holy Spirit and what you have for us, Lord. And, Lord, we give you all the praise in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you, church.